let's give the audience a quick overview of, of the real estate market in, in, in Ghana per se. Because, yeah. I mean, this is the Sound of Crowd podcast. You know, we kind of focus more on, you know, uh, things relating to Ghana. Um, so, yeah, can you just give us a quick overview? I know I've had, you know, other, you know, real estate entrepreneurs and developers, etc., on the show. Um, could you give us a quick overview of what the real estate market is like in Ghana from your perspective? Yeah, so obviously there are positives, there's good and bad within that that uh, um, ecosystem. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you find that, um, let's say, mid-luxury uh, um, has done quite well over the past decade or mm-hmm. so, right? And so you've, you, I'm sure you, you go around, you see lots of condominium-style units. Yeah, uh, Those have done quite well over the past decade, you know, as, as uh, high-earning rental units, you know, typically 12 to 20%, depending on where you find them per, per annum in terms of the returns you can get from some of those units mm-hmm. when you own them um, and have grown exponentially o- over, over that period as well in terms of, you know, uh, the price point of, of these property units, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but of course, the, the issue has, has always been more of, let's say, affordable, mm-hmm. You know, what, 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 whatever you context that as, as, as affordable, <laughs> right? Uh, um, uh. And, and how that has led to a housing shortage, right? And so in Ghana alone, you could say there's a 2 million, maybe 5 million housing shortage, right? Depending on how you want to look at it, right? And um, that just is really just because of the affordability uh, 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 question, you know. What can most people afford in Ghana? You know, perhaps... 50%, 40% of the, of the, of the country can't afford anything above, you know, $20,000. It's know, crazy. Yeah. Right. Uh, um, and so the question with that sometimes is more of an economic issue. Mm. Need better jobs so that people can afford, you know, more high, high price units. Sure. Uh, um, and then as well, there's also a question of you know, the mortgage market, right? So, uh, in Ghana, in, I like to point out in the United States, uh, the mortgage to GDP ratio, before the crash was 70%, um, and now it's about 50%. You know, in Ghana and in Nigeria as well, it's 1%. Whoa. Right? Wow. Yeah, it's, it's usually a disparity wow. there, right? And so um, <laughs> the banks don't, don't give out loans, mortgages for, for anyone to buy property. And it's not really their fault. You know, as I mentioned, there's a high risk when it comes to uh, property in, 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 in Ghana. Uh, obviously, I've also mentioned the economic levels. You know, the levels aren't there enough to provide that, and also data, data on the property, but also data on individuals as well is not at a high level. Most banks prefer to give to their own employees or high net worths that have bank accounts there, right? Uh, it's mostly bankers and I would say um, government officials that get mortgages for the most part, yeah. right? Uh, and so this is a, a big issue in itself. A biggest unit itself that has to be solved through some economic empowerment. So either with through government or private sector investment into the country. Um, and in my point of view, I, I believe that the diaspora can assist with this either by purchasing units, which increases supply mm-hmm. and also increases rental supply as mm-hmm. well, you know, which is uh, at the end of the day also still good. Uh, um, and then uh, as well, them, they come in there and then creating jobs themselves, right? Sure. I feel one thing that will happen over a period of time is, you know, one of the things that one of the ideas that we have as a company is to build out, you know, massive estates for retirees, you know, Ghanaian diaspora, but even then African Americans who want to retire mm. back here, you know, um, you know, a lot of them go to retire in 
in uh, Florida, Atlanta, Mexico, Jamaica, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, but why not Ghana? And I think that's that's something that's already happening. One of our, you know, who would be a great interview for you, perhaps if you want. But one of our our our, our customers who ended up being an investor of the company himself, mm. uh, African American gentleman, lived in Brooklyn, um, and decided with his wife to come live in Ghana. You know, mm. they bought a, 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 a very nice penthouse uh, in Weja, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, um, and decided that they as well want to uh, create this concept called off the wheel, where they want to essentially assist those abroad with saving enough money, you know, hundred maybe $100,000, dollars $300,000 to buy units here in Ghana, you know, and to, and to live here, you know, without the hassle of a mortgage, without the hassle of, you know, being on the wheel, you know, essentially, mm. right? Uh, and, uh, you know, their money can stretch a bit longer here as well. You know, and he likes to mention that, you know, even if he were to lose everything, he still has the house. He can live on rice and beans. <laughs> so, uh, a funny guy, but he's yeah, essentially that. And so, yeah. obviously, that has can have its potential issues of gentrification all of that. So it has to be a balanced True. approach, right? True. And so this is also where, you know, I appeal to, to those uh, um, um, in the, um, you know, those multilateral institutions who have been tasked with perhaps financing affordable housing to really sort of look at this issue in a much deeper manner mm-hmm. uh, and to potentially even work with us on, you know, uh, on concepts that allow for, you know, both, employment and residential so uh, um there there are groups that have built out industrial parks in kenya mm-hmm. for example you know so you build a massive industrial park uh, um you have you create factories you allow for factories companies to set up there yeah. what do they need they need to employ individuals mm. once they employ them then you have a, a space there also for residential units mm-hmm. so you're just selling the units to those employers right and it's easier it's there and as well, yeah. And so, and, and those things don't happen for one reason alone. It's just hard to find the land. <laughs> it's hard to understand who owns what land, who does what. Yeah. And so like, all of these questions mean most people just, you know, when you're sitting in their office in the States or in, the, in Dubai or wherever, don't want to deal with coming down here uh, and hassling to find land, dealing with litigation, et cetera, right? Yeah. And so you solve some of those issues of just transparency it reduces a barrier, you know, one but one very big barrier to investment, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, that's why I feel you need to sort of just digitize the, this element and create that that layer of trust. Because w- once people have trust and transparency, it's easy to do things, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to anything else, right? Absolutely. I mean, while whilst we're on the, the topic of trust and transparency, um, I mean, I think you've, well, I think you've already touched upon this. How you've, how Cecil Global and yourself are looking to solve this this issue but if you have any other f- further points you'd like to add then please feel free yeah i mean and why and, and also why there's a need for, for trust and transparency in, in in the property industry sure 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 so i mean for us and even the question might be why, why trust us you know yeah well. so that's yeah. Also a very good question yeah. right so yeah. uh, um uh, and so for for us as a platform and of course moving forward i, I like for people to scrutinize us criticize criticize us and help us get better as well but we just decided, really understood that there were there are people doing the right thing here, and so we decided to, as a company to start with, we really just focused on property developers who have built out a stock, who've who've done the vetting of the land themselves as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have done this, 
uh, and are building quality units that have been sold. A lot of these property developers, a lot of them, not everybody, but a lot, there are a lot of property developers with 10, 20 year records, right? But they're still not trusted by those abroad and others because the brands are known. Uh, uh, um, and uh, it's, it's very hard to maybe understand from afar whether or not these are legitimate uh, uh, brands or not, right? And so we come on site, we get their property registration documents, we get their land land registration documents, et cetera. Um, and and, and uh, we go on site as well to sort of vet the property, view it as well, right, before we onboard them onto our platform. And then even added to that as well, we partner with lawyers, surveys, et cetera. You know, we're customers and we always, you know, we always suggest to them that they utilize lawyers, right, whether they're lawyers or lawyers that we, we bring on board to still vet the land. You know, uh, um, it's, 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 it's very important that, that that is a normalized process where lawyers are utilized. You know, some people don't like to use lawyers, which is, I guess, fair. Uh, but I think, you know, for such a large pur- purchase, you know, a lot of the time, properties are the largest purchase most people ever make. True. Make, you know, just for peace of mind, to have a lawyer go vet that land at the Lands Commission or and also the other different silos to check, uh, um, you know, the courts, to check if the, the land is in, in court or not. All of these things... <laughs> Are very important. Intelligence, yeah, it's very it's very necessary, right, yeah. to do outside of even the tech aspect of what we are talking about here, right? And all that information, you know, once we have it, we also put it on our platform, put it on the blockchain. So as people are transacting, actually, where where that that data, we're also still keeping onto our platform and creating a database from there. You know, Perfect. right? That will be trustworthy. That will sort of be a trustworthy platform. We call it we call that concept day forwarding. So from this day forward. Yeah. Right, and so once a transaction, let's say I buy this land from you, I buy this particular land from you, Adrian. Right, the uh, um, the due diligence and also the transaction history and then the registration of that property, that documentation, a copy of that sits on our platform. Right, uh, and so and, and again, we're building out that that level of trust through through these me- mechanisms. Right, mm-hmm. um, and then we've now built up a sizable size in terms of property developments. Uh, and are now focusing on on chiefs. You know? <laughs> yeah. love the chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have to say they're I, the gatekeepers. They're the gatekeepers, man. Hundred <laughs> percent. They own. They own the land. True, you know, true, day, true. They own the land, true. and I hundred percent believe they should all be billionaires. You know, they should all be. You know, I, I, I'll give a great example. You know, I don't know if you've been to Lagos before yourself. I have. Yeah. I, have yeah. uh, I don't know if you've been to a place called Landmark Beach Resorts. I, I don't think I have. No, no, I haven't. Yeah, please. When when you're next, when you're when you when you go there next, please visit there. Yeah, you know it's something that Crash should have. I know Accra, We're working on a marine drive project, mm. but the chief uh, of Oneru, uh there gave out the land. You know, joint venture to uh, a group called Landmark, mm. right? Who built built out a fantastic, really beach, you know, marine drive like a yeah, a sort of resort right yeah. out there. Live, work, play. You know, where this convention center. There's hotel, there's there's apartments, the beach is set up with restaurants and et cetera, you know, mm-hmm. lots of different activities you can have on the beach as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this guy's a billionaire now. Whoa. Right? The chief. The chief is a billionaire, of course. But that's why you said because there's mm-hmm. actually chiefs that are actually billionaires. That's why you said all chiefs should be billionaires. Yes. If he can do it, then others can do it. Exactly. He all he did just by doing a joint venture. Joint venture. Oh. He's he's going to make money for life. He's built the most massive castle for himself. Yeah. Right? And I, I want all the chiefs here to have that. All of them should have that, right? And it, it, sometimes there's a level of patience involved in it. 
but I, I, I uh, but as well, like he managed to do this. I'm sure it was a, there's a low, long level of due diligence there. Negotiations as well. Negotiations, yeah. <laughs> That got to that level, but it's there now, right? And yeah. so it's a great example of what can be done. It should be done here as well, all over. Like I, I talk about coastal land mm -hmm. in in West Africa, it's it's underutilized. There's no, like, really, when you compare it to Southern Africa and Eastern Africa, North Africa, you know, we don't have much. You know, and we haven't really been a tourist country until very recently. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, all of all, most all of West Africa. I think it's mosquitoes more than anything. That was the main reason <laughs> uh, that that hasn't happened. You know, we didn't get a lot of European visitors. You know, we are now getting more diaspora visitors mm -hmm. into into West Africa. Uh, um, but there's a wonderful opportunity to build out the coast. Just build it all out for resorts, residential units. You know, I build a, a little like a little Florida, a little Miami, little Caribbean you know, <laughs> uh, resort, uh, Barbados, Bahamas type of uh, uh, environment right across the coast, right? Yeah. And so that's a, a whole industry in itself, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and so yeah. And so uh, these are some of the things that come out of trust, right? Mm -hmm. You know, once someone can trust you, trust a platform, it's easier to do anything on it. It's easier to transact, right? And so. Um, and so that, that's really uh, uh, just to go a long, long-winded answer. You know what trust can bring. You know is is that right? Industries across the board, whether it's tourism, whether it's uh, at a level of uh, 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 factories, uh, etc. Um, that level of trust can can then build out different industries uh, across the board. It's fascinating you said that because um, one of my guests on my a conversation with series eric annan um he's the founder of aya 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 gigs um he was also at tech of tech and ghana event as well oh, yeah. um he told me um trust is basically like the biggest currency um on the continent because it's very hard to find people that you can trust yeah and i couldn't agree with him you know more honestly look um quickly i've really enjoyed this conversation um, any rapid fire tips you could give for listeners who want to go out and purchase? <laughs>